Hello, everyone, and welcome into a special Locked On crossover event, Locked On Utes and Locked On Sun Devils. JT Wistersell, Locked On Utes, and Richie Bradshaw of Locked On Sun Devils joining you for this one today. And it's because we got a fun game coming up on Saturday, the Utes and the taking on the Trojans heading down to get Pac-12 play underway. And, you know, Richie, normally in this one, the biggest story would be, you know, a highly ranked Utah team coming in, opening conference play. Are they going to avoid any missteps? Because, look, Utah would have been favored regardless, but then some pretty big news happened regarding Herm Edwards and everything's kind of changed now. It is definitely a bit of a culture shock when you fire your head coach three games into the year. Uh, running backs coach Sean Aguano is now taking over. The players already feel a lot more confident and more comfortable in the scheme. I know that uh, earlier in the week during practice, they actually had some music playing throughout the stadium, which was something that Herm Edwards never really did. Really? And the kids seemed to be kind of vibing with it. And I know a lot of them have kind of come out and they were like, you know, uh, we're going to shock the world Saturday and we're going to we, we got our mindset on this, that and the other kind of thing. And it's like, you know what? Like, honestly, I'm not a huge moral victory guy, mm -hmm. but if you were to come out and find a way to only lose by like one possession or 10 points, I mean, that is a pretty nice like moral victory, like a win in your head to kind of build your confidence. I don't believe in them to win this game whatsoever. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, that storyline here is definitely going to be how how is Arizona State going to respond to their head coach being fired in the middle of the season and you know Herm Edwards never had a losing year with the Sun Devils but they just weren't progressing forward and that that loss to Eastern Michigan is beyond embarrassing and that ended up being that nail in that coffin when you mentioned the loss to Eastern Michigan I think that's something a lot of Utah fans especially are curious about going into this one is was that something that you felt like was a fluke like what just what what were the factors that really went into that loss? It just, it felt like such a weird game because the previous week you lost to uh, Oklahoma state 34 to 17, but the, mm -hmm. the box score is very deceptive because the defense played outstanding and the offense just could not move the ball, which led to the defense being out too long. They got tired and, you know, playing against an offense like uh, Oklahoma state, you're, you're going to get run over eventually. And that's what happened. So, the defense was not the problem the first two games of the year. So when Eastern Michigan came out and just dominated the line of scrimmage, I was sitting there in the booth scratching my head. Like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Like, this is not the same unit. They're not playing with confidence. And the offense has felt like they just have had their hands uh, handcuffed. Like, it just it, it feels like the offense is very much pigeonholed any ability that Emory Jones has had to be a runner and a good passer. So... I'm curious now that potentially the restraints are gone. If the if the offense can maybe get a little more creative, and if the defense wakes up, because that was you know just totally out of the blue. Yeah, and you know, like you look at this Utah team. Obviously, a bad start to the season with the loss to Florida. When one where you're you go in, you're still favored, and you have such a great opportunity when you get down to the goal line, and then Cam throws the back breaking interception, yep. and then you get look two cupcake layup games as well versus Southern Utah and then San Diego State who yes San Diego State beat Utah last year but number one it was on the road Utah didn't know who their quarterback was and it was just also one of those things I do think this Utah team was taken the Aztecs a little lightly that was yeah. not the case this year and it's why you saw a 35 to 7 and it was probably I mean, it's pretty much a 35 to nothing game that's why they put the backup sit at the end for Utah that's when the Aztecs score so that was a blowout as well this is a Utah team that's had a lot of mental mistakes and I think one thing a lot of Utah fans want to see is they want to see this Utah offense start strong because that's something they haven't done so far in the season is they've had 
a couple. Yes, versus you look at the Florida game, and yes, you had the great first drive, but that was off a turnover. Then the rest of the first quarter was very dormant. Even versus Southern Utah, still scored a touchdown in that game, but you look at the Tavion Thomas fumble. There were still some other things in that game where, hey, it was still 7-7 seven to seven after the first quarter. Then Utah exploded for 38 points in the second, and then it really got out of hand. But then you even look at the San Diego State game, and that one was where Utah, once again, didn't score any points in the first quarter. So I think a lot of Utah fans want to see, can this offense get off to a fast start, score at least two touchdowns in the first quarter, maybe get a field goal as well, just something, but show that momentum and being able to finish drives early. Do you think that's something this Utah team is going to be able to do against the Sun Devils defense? Entirely. Yeah. Uh, Utah is just such a vastly more talented team than Arizona State, regardless of whoever was coaching this team. I came into this year believing that Cameron Rising was the best quarterback in the Pac-12. And in a worst case scenario, he's only behind Caleb Williams right now. Yes. But Cameron Rising is just an outstanding quarterback. That interception he had against Florida was so like out of character for him for sure. that it just it, it wasn't something I worried about. And I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, Tavion Thomas is legitimately one of my favorite players in college football. Beast. Yeah, he absolutely terrifies me. Uh, the way that Arizona State just got gashed by uh, Samson Evans of Eastern Michigan last week. Now, for for those of you who don't know, Samson Evans had never had a 100-yard game in his career and then ran for 237 yards against Arizona wow. State last week. So uh, Tavion Thomas is going to destroy us, and I've come to terms with it. And when I'm sitting in the booth in Tempe this Saturday – I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy watching future Baltimore Raven running back Davion Thomas and just enjoy seeing this kid just dominate because my goodness gracious, is he good at football? So yeah, Utah's not going to have any problem scoring points, especially if the defense comes out as flat as it did last week against the Eagles. Two things. First of all, Tavion Thomas on the Baltimore Ravens would be absolutely electric. So I definitely hope that happens as well because I think we'd yes, all watch him go out and succeed. And you just mentioned the defense coming out flat. How much of that is a schematical issue, just players being put in the wrong places in order to succeed, as well as just personnel, just a mismatch? Man, that's just so tough because I feel like Arizona State, especially in the secondary, has had to do a lot of figuring out on the fly. They lost just about their entire starting roster, both to the transfer portal and to the NFL draft and from uh, uh, eligibility running out. So the secondary is pretty much brand new from top to bottom. And they've been playing pretty solid for all things considered. The front seven has just struggled to get a pass rush. They got their first two sacks of the season last week and look how much it mattered. But I feel like, the defense is just, I, I don't know. Like it, it's a good unit, all things considered. It's just the Eastern Michigan game. I'm hoping it's an anomaly because the first two games, they did not look that bad. Mm -hmm. But right now, the way you just performed and now you have to deal with a change of the guard at the head coaching spot and you're going in the Pac-12 play against arguably the best team in the Pac-12, for my money, is the best team in the Pac-12. And I... I just don't have a lot of confidence you're going to rebound quickly. I mean, if they do, it's not the most surprising thing in the world simply because this this defense has shown some grit, especially against Oklahoma State. It was a super impressive performance despite the fact that they hung 34 on you. It just, like I said earlier, that does the box score does not tell the story of that game. But if they rebound, I, I wouldn't be overly surprised. But I just don't see it coming this week against Utah.
you mentioned, I mean, it's just such a tough matchup in terms of obviously what Utah wants to do, rushing the ball and just getting a team this talented traveling down. One that also has a chip on their shoulder. This is not a Utah team that's resting on their morals because they know they blew out two teams. They were supposed to do exactly that, blew out. And then the other team they played, they were still, that's the game they needed to win if they wanted to be considered amongst the true elite teams in college football. I mean, if they win that game, they're in the top four right now, probably, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe guess Clemson's right up there too, but either way, I mean, for sure in the top five. So you just look at how things have played out. It's just still disappointing for the players. You guys are better than Clemson. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thank you guys you. are better than Clemson. The same they have way no well. business being ranked that high. I'm sorry. Like, mm-hmm. if for some reason a Clemson fan is listening to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... Your quarterback stinks. I don't know yeah. how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, but, DJ Ungalele, yeah. I believe that's how it's said. Is uh, yeah, it's, he's much a roller coaster. They got a pretty good freshman though coming up as well. So that defense is is nasty though with yes. Brian Breesy and all them. Yeah, yes, they got some dudes on the other side. And yeah. uh, last thing I want to mention before we jump off the storylines, you mentioned how much the players have rallied around Coach Iguano already. What are your impressions of him, and how do you think he's going to do over the next couple months? Iguano has already come out and said that he wants to do a lot of things different from what the previous regime wanted. I think he's more interested in building a culture that's, you know, more applicable to a younger generation. I mean, people seem to forget these are 18, 19 year old kids. This isn't an NFL team where you got an average of like 26 to 27 year old guys who are considered more, you know, adults than these kids that are fresh out of high school, one, two, three years out of high school. So Aguano definitely seems to be wanting to make an environment that's more, I don't want to say welcoming, but it, it feels more like comforting, I guess, is kind of where I'm trying to go with it. And he's he's mentioned now, I don't know if he's going to be the head coach beyond this year, but he has mentioned for what it's worth that he wants to do a lot more recruiting in Arizona State's backyard because, goodness gracious, Arizona State did a great job recruiting in Southern California. The problem is you have a lot of really good kids in Arizona Uh that they didn't care about. There were so many great prospects they did not even take a look at, and that's part of the reason why they started sinking. So I think that Aguano has a really good idea of how he wants to turn this program around, whether or not he's the head coach next year or if he's just retained on the roster. But I do think that Arizona State is hopefully trending in the right direction with Aguano now coming in to be the interim head coach. I think that the students and the the players and all them are going to be buying into a lot more of what he's putting out there compared to what a like more of an old fashioned guy like Herm Edwards was. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. We're going to talk about the key matchups that are going to make that game, this game on Saturday, so exciting. But first, I want to tell you guys about Nugenics. Are you guys feeling like you can't get in shape? It's not your fault. As men age, our body naturally loses free testosterone, the man hormone. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic and active remember when winning felt easy that's because you you were younger you were at the peak of your testosterone production what some have called the winner's hormone or the man hormone wouldn't it be nice to get that winning edge back and get that swagger back as well? If you guys want to be more energetic and counter that negative energy, you guys need to get Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen. With help, it will help you turn back the clock, re-energizing your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC, and Nugenics Total T can help re-energize your life and help you get the back the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be. 
Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea as well when you text COLLEGE, that's all caps, COLLEGE, to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape absolute fast, absolutely free. Text COLLEGE to 23 23, oh, excuse me, 231231. Text college, once again, college, all caps to 231231. And that is for Nugenics. So make sure you guys head over and check out Nugenics and segueing back into this matchup. I feel like one of the guys who's going to be running and like and looking, he's on like he's on Nugenics is going to be Tavion Thomas in this one. I think he's in for a big game. And Tavion, hey, he's a guy who's dealt with some tragedy this past week, um, or actually going back to last week. His aunt passed away, and that was someone he was very close with. But he still wanted to remain with his teammates and played in the game against the Aztecs. And even though he had a slow, him and the entire offense had a slow start, he really had a good breakout after that. And you could tell really started to get those tough yardage done. And you can still see a couple of times he's just throwing his body around because he is such a powerful, tough throwback running back that it's so hard for multiple guys, even multiple guys struggle to bring him down sometimes. So this Utah rushing attack is going to come in. This Utah team wants to establish the ball. They're actually down their third running back. So it's going to be interesting to see how freshman Jalen Glover factors into it. Makai Bernard, more your traditional receiving back, has also started to run it a little bit more as well. And honestly, I'm very interested to see how this ASU front seven handles this Utah ground attack because it's an offensive line that I feel like every game works on the chemistry and gets a little bit better as well. Utah is just incredibly physical up front, and they know how to run bully ball. I mean, they've been doing it so well for what feels like the entirety of the Kyle Whittingham era, which is a lot longer than people realize he is. Second been longest tenured. Only Kurt Ferns is more. Yeah. He has been there a minute and he is a very good head coach for my money's worth. He's one of the five best coaches in college football right now. Which you uh, can like, come on the show anytime, by the way. <laughs> like I told you off mic before we got started yeah. is like if Arizona State wanted to throw a little bit of money at Kyle Whittingham, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying I wouldn't complain, but <laughs> They uh no they got they got a very very good uh attack on how they want to run their offenses they're just so strong and powerful up front with their running game and then they absolutely kill you with their tight ends I mean uh, mm-hmm. Brent Keithy and uh, um uh, and Dalton Kincaid yes Kincaid are just so good they're both NFL guys in the future and Keithy especially he tore up ASU last year. I anticipate he's going to do the same thing this year. They're just so physical. They're so talented in the passing game. It, it's just, I don't, I don't know if Utah does a lot of deep passing, but even if they're they trying to get more explosive, they've yeah. been wanting to, but they haven't really been able to unlock it this year yet still. Well, this is the week to try it out. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fans would be happy because that was a big storyline coming in. The wide receivers are going to be really involved. And they finally got involved last week versus San Diego State. Devon Bailey had two touchdowns. Solomon Enos had one. But they had multiple big catches. But they still only combined for under 80 yards, I believe. But it was just the moments they caught those balls were so impactful. But I think some Utah fans want to see them in a close game, have the kind of performance that a Brant Keithy had versus Florida, where he has 109 yards, a touchdown, and like is just there the entire time, and you can't, you don't forget about him. A lot of times this year, you've been able to forget about Utah's receivers, so they hope that they're going to be able to break out. And one of the other interesting matchups I'm looking at is you already talked about a guy in Emory Jones as well, where, look, he, his strength is, like you said, he, he can still throw it 
from the pocket well, but he's I think his strongest attributes are as a runner, and that's something that's going to be interesting to see how he tries to attack this team. But I'm more interested in Clark Phillips, Utah's top corner, may not play in this game. And this is a Utah team. You ask these players, and look, if you ask every player at every school, they're probably going to say their team is the best secondary in the Pac-12. But this Utah team genuinely believes they have it. And talking with JT Broughton, this team's second corner, he feels totally feels like they're going to come in ready and still be able to lock it down on the back end. Do you think the Utes will be able to do that? Definitely. Uh, Arizona State has done their best to develop a good passing attack. And I think that Emory Jones is a very confident guy over the middle. And even outside the hashes, I feel like has not been uh, something that gets talked about enough. But last week against Eastern Michigan, I can think of three plays off the top of my head. There might have even been more than that, where they tried to unlock the deep ball and they had the opportunity. The receivers were able to break free and Emory had either missed them by a few inches or the receivers just were not able to haul it in. And because you weren't able to pull that off, it has me seriously questioning if this is going to be something you're going to do at any point this year. And I mean, this has always been part of Arizona State's bread and butter for as long as I can remember is they're not a deep shot team, but they're going to take that opportunity two to three times a game just to test you and keep you honest. And I know that Arizona State was hoping to do last week. They should have hit all three and they just didn't. So I don't know if I trust us to do the deep shot. I definitely believe that they're going to do all sorts of stuff underneath. I'm curious now that uh, Herm Edwards is gone. In his press conferences, he had mentioned when talking about like Emory Jones being mobile, he would say, ah, the quarterback broke the pocket in the sense of like, we're not designing anything for him to run, which is weird to me because Emory Jones, like you said, his best strength is with his legs. So why are you, like I mentioned earlier and described it this way, why are you pigeonholing him? You're not giving him the opportunity to do what he does best. And just you're you're taking away a, fact, a factor of your offense that you had last year with Jaden Daniels. And you're not allowing Emory Jones to have it. But I feel like as soon as you give Jones that power to be more confident with his legs, that this offense is going to get a little bit better. And who knows, maybe, maybe the deep ball does open up a little bit more. So it'll be, it'll be up to the offense to just finally take the leash off of Emory Jones and let him do his thing. You mentioned Emory and the success he could potentially have if they take the leash off him. But what are the matchups you mentioned? This you, it, There's a world where this could be a one-score game because Coach Iguano has these guys fired up, ready to play, and Emory Jones still has the talent where it's like if he's just making plays all over the place, you're not surprising. A Florida quarterback already, obviously a former quarterback in your case, but and Anthony Richardson obviously lit up the Utes um, earlier this season. So it would be interesting to see if Emory's capable of doing the same things. But what other matchups do you think the Sun Devils will need to win to keep this within that kind of one score range? They're going to need their offensive line to step up. I have been on them a lot. I have one of their offensive linemen in my tweets every single week, liking them. And I'm like, dude, stop liking my tweets and start, start playing better. <laughs> like I'm, I'm sorry, man. It's it's gotten to that point where it's like I've said, like, hey, man, like I'm here. If if this is building your confidence by seeing me say, hey, man, this guy's a liability, then use it. But it's been two weeks now, and you're still a liability, <laughs> man. So you got to figure it out. And unfortunately for you, you're going up against a very very good defense and a super young front seven. Like it just blows my mind the amount of sophomores and juniors that are up there. And they're flying to the ball, despite the fact that Devin Lloyd, here, I'm going to make you happy again. 
who got robbed of the of the uh, Buckus Award last year. Absolutely robbed. Like the Kobe Dean's a stud, but there's absolutely no reason that Devin Lloyd should have been sniped from that. But anyways, neither here. Nor, I'm like a low key, really big Utah Utes fan. Pre- by the way, appreciate it. You want to? I, I don't know if you picked up on that or not. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that for you. There you go. Let's go. <laughs> but I need the offensive line to step up because if they're able to do that, we have this little X factor, if you will, <laughs> name Xavier Valade, who's known as X Valade, who legitimately is putting together a Dope Walker Award kind of season. He has had over 100 yards and at least one touchdown in each of his games. He's currently averaging 6.9 yards on the ground. He is dominating as a running back. And I mean, he's done everything between the tackles. Uh, He's gone power outside, right and left. He's so creative when he gets into the open field. And he's just incredibly difficult to take down. He has been the life and just the, the heartbeat of the Arizona State Sun Devils offense. The moment he gets taken away, we're not putting up any points. The good news is so far he hasn't been taken away. And sure, you've had two cupcake games, but consider one of those games was Eastern Michigan where they dominated you, and he still found a way to average almost eight yards of carry. And he went to Stillwater, Oklahoma to play Oklahoma State and toppled 118 yards and a touchdown. It doesn't feel like anyone has a solution for him yet. And I would be willing to bet that Utah uh, Utah's strategy going into this week is going to be figuring out how to take X Validay out of this game. And you mentioned taking him out of the game. I think one of the ways Utah is going to try to do that is because they don't respect the passing game of the Sun Devils, at least initially, the unless they beat him, is pack the box. And specifically, Cole Bishop, Utah's phenomenal strong safety. He led this team in tackles a week ago. He does a fantastic, he's just got a nose for the ball. Does a fantastic job sifting through everything going on and always seems to find the football. This is a Utah team that missed 27 tackles versus Florida. So that's been a huge emphasis for them. Go, I know, <laughs> this is bad, I know. <laughs> so they've been able to clean that up. And I don't even think they've had 13 in their previous previous two games, but that's what you're supposed to do against inferior competition. And look, right. one of the things I've been talking about that I love how Utah's schedule builds to the USC games. I feel like each team is a step up and that's absolutely the case here over the San Diego state team. Cause look that, I mean, the Aztecs, look, Emory Jones is a legit guy at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Braxton Burmeister was not that for SDSU and even the other guys they brought in as well. So this still presents a nice challenge. And you mentioned the rushing ability as well. Like I think Utah definitely is that game more on against Florida. They wanted to be able to stop the run and they still just couldn't. So it's an opportunity for junior Tafuna, Van Fillen, Karene Reed, Mohamed Diabate is not going to play in this game, I believe, unless something changes. But an interesting opportunity to see if they can do it, because as you mentioned, you guys have one of the most talented backs in the pack. I'm definitely hoping that they studied that Florida film to see. And, and the other thing is, like, Emory Jones transferred from Florida, so mm-hmm. he's familiar with the way that Anthony Richardson plays football. He's familiar with the way the Gators run their offense. He hopefully brings some of that to Arizona State, and he says, hey, you know, look at the success that the Gators had against the Utes in this game. If we can, you know, like try and implement some of their game plan and the, how we want to play this game, who knows? Maybe that's where they're getting the idea of like, we have a chance to, you know, upset the world and beat, beat the reigning PAC 12 champions and the number 13 team in the nation. Like if they're, if they are smart and I believe that they are with Sean Aguano coming in and wanting to change the culture, they should be watching a lot of Florida film this week and they should be allowing Emory Jones to get more comfortable in what he's best at doing, which is running around and making plays with his legs. 
And you mentioned it right there. It's this team going in. They're going to try to get that upset. They want to see if they can get it done. And that's what we're going to dive into next is give our predictions for this game. But first, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. Guys, college football, NFL football, having them back two days in a row as well. I mean, three, if you want to stretch it out into the extra Monday night football, as well as we know there's college football games, Thursday, Friday, there is constant action going on across high school fields, football, excuse me, not high school fields. <laughs> We're not betting on high school games, <laughs> but um, across football fields all over the place. So make sure you guys head over to bet online, get on the action as well. If you guys want to bet on MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, there's tons of things you guys can handle. So head to betonline.net. Use your mobile device to l- learn more. Bet online where the game starts. And Richie, one of the interesting things we've been kind of wondering and monitoring all week is the bet online line for this game. So, what do you, what is the line currently at? Currently at 15, and it's kind of been steadily growing. Uh, I, I think even earlier today, it was like 14 and a half. It might have yes. been like 13 earlier in the week. It might have been like 12 before Herm got fired, but it's slowly climbing. So if you guys are interested in bet online and getting their odds, you should hop on that right now. Arizona State is typically not very good against the spread. Like they're, I, they're they're one and two this year. They they covered against NAU. Great job. What yeah. what an awesome thing to do. But ASU typically is not good against the spread. So if you're looking for betting advice, take Utah. It, it doesn't matter if it bumps it up by another five or six points. Whatever it is, take Utah to cover. If Arizona State covers the spread, then you know that that's just a bad beat. It's just that that's when you got to take on the chin because that that should be easy money for Utah to cover whatever the spread ends up being. Yeah, if Scott Van Pelt's talking about it. Then something went very wrong, just like it did for him and his dog this week as well. If you saw that, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> you are wrong bad. for that one. Yeah. <laughs> But I feel the same way. Absolutely believe Utah is going to cover in this one. And we both feel that Utah is going to cover. So now time to get into our game predictions for this one. And Richie, I'll go first. I think this offense is going to get off to a fast start. And I think this is an ASU team that's going to come in motivated and fired up and ready to play and show that, hey, we really do like Coach Iguano. But a lot of times with teams like this, I feel like when you get punched in the mouth early, it's hard to come back from it. Yep. And I feel like it's going to be something where, let's say, ASU wins the toss. Maybe they defer. Maybe Utah wins the ball wins the toss and they feel like hey we want the ball and like either way they i feel like utah's going to jump off to a 14 nothing lead asu will have one bad series and maybe get three and out in between there and then just like that you're down 14 to nothing and then you have all these other things that have been weighing down on you this past week and that's where i feel like it's just going to be hard for them to get back into this one i have the utes running away with it 42 to 10 i could totally see that so i'm giving asu just a little bit more credit Mm -hmm. here just in the sense of like I think they're going to be a little fired up. And honestly, part of the score that I'm giving them is a late touchdown. That doesn't even matter. But yeah, it's just Utah is incredibly motivated right now. They want to get back up to the pinnacle of the Pac-12. They're probably sick and tired of hearing about USC, USC this, USC that. And yeah, and Utah, last I checked, is the defending Pac-12 champion school. And don't get me wrong, I I do not care for USC at all. So there is a lot of bias when I talk about USC. But nonetheless, Utah is an incredibly great team, well-coached, great talent. It doesn't matter if they're home or away. Again, like that interception by Cameron Rising that ultimately lost the game against Florida, that's a fluke. 
He is sure. not doing oh that. God. That's his only pick. And that, on lo- and that loss was not on him either. So many no. other mistakes went yeah. into it as well. Yep. It's just that was the Anthony Richardson show. Like there's there's no harm yes. in that. But yeah, the, I just don't see as well coached the Utah team coming into this game and getting upset. I think they are more than smart enough to realize, you know, hey, ASU's probably going to be pretty fired up and they're going to they're going to want to, you know, shock the world. The fan base is it, it's fickle. They you have there's some weeks where the student section is sold out and there's other weeks where it's half empty. I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty good turnout for the student section, good. but I also know that Utah travels really well. And it's not it's not a very far distance. I don't know that there's going to be a great home field advantage. I don't know that Utah is going to come into this game unprepared, which is why I'm going to take Utah 35-17. Like I said, I, I think I'm giving ASU a little too much credit, but I do think that one of those touchdowns is going to come very late in the game when it just the game pretty much seems out of reach. It would not be a surprise to me if this was a 35-3 to game at some point in time. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in that regard. But when we're talking about things we're watching for in this game, um, for me, for Utah, I just want, I talked about it. I really want to see that fast start. And I think the other thing I really want to see is Utah's run defense step up against one of the better backs in the Pac 12 and just continue to show that this run defense has improved. This front seven can hang after a really disappointing week one. So I feel like those are the two biggest things. Get off to that fast start. I mean, yes, I'd like to see the passing game get going as well, but it was just encouraging to see those steps already be taken last week. But the biggest thing is that run defense for me. I want to see the Utes try to do that. But what are you watching for ASU as it pertains to this season or maybe some things going forward? I just want to see if the offense adjusts and finds a way to – get back to what it does best because even with Jaden Daniels struggling last year, this was still a highly efficient run game that was not just led by Rashad White, who's in the NFL now, but Chip Trainum looked really good as the number two running back. Daniel Nagata, who's the number two back this year, is super effective in the, in this season the same way he was last year. Jaden Daniels was second on the team in rushing yards. There's no reason Emory Jones can't be the same way if they allow him to get back to that form. So I'm going to be looking to see if the offensive mentality changes, if you want to get back to what they do best, just because it's not the most like, uh, like, like not modern, but like the most traditional yeah. or like kosher, I guess I, I'm not, I, that's not necessarily the right word, but like acceptable is kind of what I'm looking for here. Uh, for like what Herm Edwards wanted to run. It doesn't matter because you need to do what your offense does best. And that should be, getting creative with running the football with the quarterback, with the running backs, maybe getting some jet sweeps with the receivers or, you know, whatever have you. But I, I am definitely going to be watching for the offense to make their adjustments. And I want to see if the front seven can get back to the way they played the first two games and find a way to contain Tavion Thomas. Cause you're not stopping him. You can only hope to contain him. He's going over hundred. He's getting at least one touchdown. Can you hold him under 200? Can you keep him out of the end zone? That'll be the biggest story here. It's going to be fun to see how it all plays out come Saturday. Richie, appreciate you doing this crossover with us. Make sure you guys continue to check out Locked on Sun Devils every single day, as well as follow Richie on Twitter at Richie Brads. Is that how you say it with the Z? Brads. Brads. There we go. Yes. <laughs> Brads 36. Make sure you guys also hit up the Locked on Utes channel on Twitter, as well as the YouTube page, and follow me at JT Wistersill on Twitter. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day as well, we recommend you check out the Locked on Pac-12 podcast, where our friend host, Spencer McLaughlin, will take you under around the conference in under 